Logical Progression, Year 4, Chapter 15, Lesson 5. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim. Wa barakla nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'atahu sahla. Wa anta tajul al-hazna ila shi'na sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika. Wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hayyakum Allah. Good to see you guys again. I don't know. It feels like I've been away for a while. I think it's because from the masjid. Um, okay, so today, inshallah, um, two things. Number one, we said at the end of last week's lesson that uh, today we're going to start with the questions that have been gathering up um, and answer those first. And then once those have finished, and then we'll take some more online now and we'll take... Um, uh, any that I hear as well on top of that, then we'll move to the text. And the text um, is, if you like, a swift, quick, more classical, fiqhi approach to prayer times, which are just going to be stating them as they are. Uh, the lessons, the last two or three lessons, we had to do them because we're not aware of the sun and its movements and light and things like that. So we needed that kind of ground knowledge. And now we're just kind of just, uh, you know, We'll say when the shadow is like this and when the, the twilight has gone like that. We'll just say it and we have to now assume that we know it by now. Okay, so um, there are a number of questions. I'll start them first and then so far if there's more on the pulse, then just shout them out. Yeah. They have come now? Okay, that's fine. And likewise then, uh, you guys here as well. So, um, the first question says, why is it said that you don't want to make Isha, Qada, pray, before half of night is over. To be honest, I don't even understand what that means. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that means. I didn't understand, so I'll put it there in case you wouldn't understand. Yeah, no, no, I don't know what that question means. Is whoever uh, uh, wrote that, please write it again. Fully, completely in English, yani proper. Uh, uh, or if English is not your first language, then write it in Arabic, it's not a problem. Um, second is, I know we have prayer apps, but if I was to look outside, what is the best estimate that we use during rainy or cloudy days like in the UK? Um, and the reality is, is that it's, it's very difficult uh, to uh, calculate in the UK prayer times, even on a sunny day. Um, uh, and that is because everyone is not used to exactly where the sun is and, and uh, um, um, where it sets and where it rises. And then if it's a cloudy day, then you don't even have the sun to help you. And then you're just looking around at other things. I mean, there's a few interesting little tidbits, of course. Um, you know, for example... Uh, when you're in the West, when you're in the West generally, so I'm talking about the States, well not the States, but Canada, and um, but certainly UK, Europe, in this kind of area, then you know that we're praying towards the Southeast, and the Qibla is towards the Southeast. And if you have the sun, then you know exactly uh, how to then work out that direction. Because the, the sun rises in the East, and then as you saw in one of those diagrams, I think the one that Shazad brought up on the screen, it kind of goes up in this ellipsis. Obviously, there's not the sun, but that's what it looks like. And then it will then rise, then it will set in the west. So you're able to work out then if that is where it's rising in the east, or if you're catching it a little bit later on in the day, it's going in that direction. That, that Therefore, it's going to come, you can see it's going in this direction. And then it's going to go to the west. Well, at least you have one, uh, one, uh, one parameter. And you know you only need one parameter to work out the north and south and east and west. Once you've seen... The, the West, then it's never eat shredded wheat. 
That's my 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 one. I don't know what everyone else uses. What does everyone else use? That's the only one, yeah. Never eat shredded wheat. What's that one? <laughs> How lame is that? Naughty elephants squirt water. That's just too much mission. That's too much mission. Never eat shredded wheat. Naughty elephants squirt water. Never eat shredded wheat. There's no comparison. Yeah. So never eat shredded wheat. So once you've got so. No, never mind, Sheikh. This one is not to be understood. To be honest. So, uh, so if you worked out in West, yeah. So there's West. So you know now that's West. So now you then you know never eat shredded wheat. So now you know that the South is here and the East is there, and therefore you know the direction for the prayer is that way. So that's one way. If you see the sun, if you don't see the sun. Then in the UK certainly, and actually, uh, or in the UK mostly, you just have to look for a, a, a satellite or a TV aerial. In general, the satellites and TV aerials, they point towards the Qibla. But they don't point towards the Qibla, but they point towards southeast direction. Uh, yeah, don't we getting all these yani, satellites and thinking, mashallah, I've got a religious satellite, yeah? So, the, uh, uh, so their direction is roughly towards southeast. So at least then you have another idea. Now, that's for direction. The question here is about time, okay? And with respect to time, you got such a variation in this country in terms of the length of day that it also proves difficult, okay? It, it genuinely does. Um, and so the, the short answer is that when it's gray outside and cloudy in this country, it is difficult to work out where the prayer is, uh, uh, what time the, the prayer would be. You'd have to use your indaza, okay, your general kind of common sense, that especially in the winter time, if you wake up and you've gone half the day or four or five hours, you know that the rest of the half is going to have three prayers in there, dhuhr, asr, and maghrib. When it's in the summertime, then you're looking at shadows. It's different things. It's looking at the light and so on. But that's it. And if you're going to ask me about, you know, how to work out the direction at night time using the stars, and I don't have a daddy, to be honest. That's a very specific yarn of skill, which is way above my pay grade that. Um, okay, so that's that. Uh, is there, if there's a question on the question, then immediately shout out, yeah? Okay. Uh, you mentioned that a normal person can notice the appearance and disappearance of this, of this redness at dawn or dusk. But should it not be reiterated that this is not accurate within any urban area, i.e. it is only in the hills or in the countryside uh, where one is far from the light pollution, particularly street lights, that we can really see the onset and disappearance of this red light. The difference in time can be substantial. Um, uh, it is a fair point, and we've spoken about light pollution already so far, okay? And the upshot of this point of living in a city and therefore it, the lights affecting what you see, means that you would not take these measures super accurately, okay? It, that's why you wouldn't be that's one of the things I've been emphasizing, right? That when it comes to your Isha prayer, like right now we're in summer timing in this masjid, okay? In this masjid now, um, our Isha is at half past ten, okay? And our Maghrib today was at 8.56, 8.59, okay? I know for a fact that the sun set at 8.56. But that was just a packed thing of adding three things on. That's okay, right? No problem with that. Yeah, okay. So that's one hour and 34 minutes exactly. 
right? That we are praying Isha today. Um, uh, that's as, as a congregational time. And that is on the safer side of the minimum that I've set, which is one hour, 20 minutes. A one hour, 20 minutes, if you were to go outside, genuinely, okay, or one hour, 10 minutes, and one hour, 15 minutes, and one hour, 20 minutes, you will still see some kind of redness. Okay, you will still see some kind of redness, um, some kind of color. And a combination of A, the fact that there's so much light pollution, B, that we are now moving into city times now where it's very, very late and becomes difficult upon the people. And therefore, that the issue of difficulty, meaning a fatwa position now, a combination of the two leads us to then say that, you know what, we will allow the prayer to go ahead at one hour, 20 minutes. But if we can push it back, Yani, uh, a few minutes, 25, one hour, 26, like this, you are more adding into certainty. So this point is valid. The, the, the redness that we're seeing, we can't take it for exact yani, perfect timing, uh, morning and evening. And that's why, fajr, that's why the Fajr prayer in this masjid, not at the moment, because it's not important at the moment. At the moment we are, because of the, because of the needs of the community, we push the Fajr prayer late as possible to sunrise. But in a couple of weeks time, four weeks time when Ramadan kicks in, we will, uh, the masjid will then bring the prayer back because it wants to encourage the people who are waking up for suhoor, seri, to come to the masjid. However, there's a problem. The problem is, is that if we have people waking up for seri or suhoor to eat their food, and what have we said? We've said that when it's difficult summer times, when we have the problem of the twilight, then we should stop eating a little bit extra earlier, isn't it? Yes? So when you've got people stopping, then, and we're saying, what should we do about the prayer? We should delay the prayer because it's not clear that Fajr actually entered. So we create a gap which is larger than normal. Maybe that's half an hour gap. And you have these people who are impatient and they don't want to wait half an hour, understandably, because they want to go to sleep to get up for work the next morning. And so we have this difficulty where we had, and you'll find all the masajid in Manchester, I told you before, I believe the mass, mass majority of masajid in Manchester, except this one, alhamdulillah, they pray the Fajr prayer too early in Ramadan. Okay? And that's because of purely because of the pressure of the local Muslim. And it's very difficult to try to put up with that, peer, that social pressure. And we have to. We have to say, listen, this is not a joke. This is obligatory prayer, not sunnah prayer or something like that. And just wait until it's definitely clear that the Fajr has kicked in. Because that's what's the obligation, isn't it? So we are aware of this. Yeah? The second question then says, on the basis of making things easy for people, can we combine? the prayer and they're talking about the Maghrib and Isha and there's another person who asked the same question they said there's an opinion that due to the lateness of Isha in the summer months i.e. now that it is permissible to combine Maghrib and Isha together particularly for example for younger children is this acceptable on a regular basis until the time for Isha becomes more reasonable now this is a, 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 a matter that we've discussed in a lot of detail and I have been writing about this for now nearly 10-12 years now okay and this has, um, it's, what's very interesting, what's, 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 if, you, if you don't know about this issue, then what's very interesting is that this was not known in the international world, yeah, in, in, on, in the world, in any of the countries, and it started in Manchester. How about that? Yeah, it started in Manchester. And it started with one of my teachers as well. Okay? And he gave this fatwa. And we were very upset with this fatwa. Okay? Um, I mean... 
The Sheikh, his name is Sheikh Abdullah bin Yusuf al Judair, is a hadith master and he is a qualified scholar. He lives in Leeds now. Uh, people in Manchester kicked him out, Yani. Okay. Um, he's Iraqi and he is, he is the chair of the European Council of Fiqh of Fatwa and Research. He's a bona fide top alim. Um, and what he did is that he basically, he basically looked at the situation. What he decided, he said that Esha, whether via the difference of, or, or we're going to cover today, that Esha enters, like we've been saying, when the red twilight disappears. We said that's the position of uh, the four schools of fiqh and the majority of scholars. As for the disappearance of the white twilight, we said that's the position of Imam Abu Hanifa himself, alayhi rahmatullah, by himself. So he had a position, his two students, they went against him, and the school went against him. So the Hanafi school has the opinion now, what, what needs to disappear? The redness of the twilight, which means that Isha is earlier. As for Abu Hanifa's old classic position, he is still upon it, and that is the whiteness, which means a later Isha. The people who follow this opinion, okay, they will argue that Isha will not come in until very late. We are talking about one o'clock, like very late until you get rid of it completely. Actually, as I showed you on the diagram last night, that depending upon how high you go, once you get over 45, 47, 48 degrees latitude, then actually the sun doesn't go down low enough for us to actually get a night time. And so for the whole of the three months, you won't get actually proper night. Okay? And these people, they argue that you won't even get a proper night, even a disappearance of the red twilight. They said there's still some red twilight there as well. So they said the actual time for Isha is so late that it becomes very difficult for people to pray. Therefore, we can't have those people staying awake because they, can't, they have to wake up for Fajr a little bit while later and they've got to go to work. We have to give them a solution. Okay? So all of us had this problem actually. All of us had to find a solution. And everyone gave their different solutions. Yes? Um, the majority of the Hanafi Masajid in this country they, the Diobandis, the Diobandi the, the school, okay, they basically said, you know what, we will choose taqriban one hour. One hour as a gap, and straight after Maghrib, one hour ad, we'll pray Isha. It doesn't matter what's happening outside. This is a fatwa position. This is a darura, it's a necessity. So that's what we're going to do. And the Brelvi school, which is the large number of uh, uh, mosques in this country, they said similar. They said similar. And the Jamiat al-Hadith and these kind of folks, they also said similar. They also said similar. Um, and we also, in this masjid and some of the more kind of, you know, uh, easygoing masjid, also said similar. Except that we said that we should uh, uh, at least try to achieve what the majority of the scholars said, which is the redness of the twilight disappearing. So we will go a little bit later, 1 hour 15, 20, 25, just let that pass, then we'll pray Isha. And uh, all of these opinions, if you're going to be critical, academic, all of these opinions are not very strong. Why? Because if you go outside, you can see that it's still not proper Isha. Does that make sense? So they, Abdullah Shudair, what he said, he said that you're just making a mockery. You're saying, you're saying neither pray here or neither pray there. You're not praying 
proper Isha at its proper time? Are you not praying at its early time or anything? You're just praying in some medium, medium time and it's not very dark and it's not very light and what is it? He said what we should do is do, use something that we have evidence for, which is combining. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ combined Maghrib and Isha. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ has given permission for the nation, uh, the Muslims, to use that if there's a need. So we can combine. We said, we accept that. Yes, we accept combining the prayer. It's allowed. And it's a sunnah when, when it's a time and place for it. But what are you suggesting? They said that you will do it every single day, combine, for three months. We said, that's impossible. Because you will change the nature of the deen like that. You are basically establishing only, yani, it's a whole new system. It's only then four times for the prayer, and that's it. Yani, occasionally, one off here and there, if there's a need, we, we understand that. But you are going to create a system that's going to happen every single day. And then there are some people that will do it, do that, pray it, and then go home, and they're awake anyway. They're awake for the next one and a half hour anyway. They're saying that we needed to do this, etc., etc. So... We said that, listen, something which is established by evidence, the permissibility, i.e. combining, doesn't mean it can be used then to become a permanent thing. That's the bid'ah, that's the mistake. So we consider that opinion wrong, even though, of course, as an ishtihad, is valid. And anyone who does do that, anyone who does combine the prayer, then it is a valid prayer. However, if a person is going to do that, he should do it at home. Because the masjid is about keeping the unity of the community, okay? And the, mas- the masjid should ensure five prayers a day. That's its basic function. And if the people in the masjid are happy and ready to pray at the right time, then that's what should happen. And there shouldn't be second jama'ah in the masjid. Actually, even if the prayer at the normal time, there is not meant to be a second jama'ah at the masjid because you are then breaking the authority of the imam ratib, the official imam. And so that's what should be avoided. So that's to explain the situation. Yes, it is acceptable to combine once in a while. Yes, it should be done by the individual, not by groups of people. If there's a group that are outside traveling or something like that, and they decide to do it because they're very tired, that's permissible. The question that the person asks, is it okay for us, for our children, to do it on a constant basis at home because it's difficult for them? Yes, that's permissible. (coughs) I have allowed that, even on a perpetual basis, for children at home to allow them to go to sleep early. I allow them to pray the Maghrib and the Isha together, but they must then go to sleep straight away. And that is because of the fact that, you know, school the next day and we want them to have full energy. So I allow that. But as for people in the masjid, no. And the masajid should have the Isha time later and there should be no communal, continuous, perpetual combining of the Maghrib and Isha. Okay, everybody? Yes. So on that point, obviously, the more north you go, latitude Yes. The, the argument there you put forward is the red, even the red twilight doesn't disappear. Therefore, technically, Isha time never comes in. So there is no Isha time, full stop. Yes, so... So whatever solution you have, you're artificially going to have to put it somewhere. Correct. So, so, so Shazad's saying that the more higher you go uh, uh, latitude-wise, <laughs> the more higher you're going to Europe, not even the redness disappears. In actual fact, you sometimes get perpetual sunlight and whatever. So let me just say something very clearly here. We need to differentiate between those places that have a day and a night, like we do, and Denmark, which also still has a day and a night, and Finland, which also has a day and a night. But then you get so far, further high to the Arctic and to the, to the Greenland and so on and so forth, where there is perpetual daylight. There's a difference 
in ruling between perpetual daylight and a country that has a very short one hour of darkness, even one hour of darkness, even two hours of darkness. For the countries that have two hours and one hours of darkness, then in those two hours, we will, we will estimate. Yeah, we will divide it into three, and the Maghrib will be paid first, and then half an hour later it will be Isha, and then half an hour later it will be uh, Fajr, and the person goes to sleep. That's because there's a clear day and a clear night. And there should be no compromise on this. Yes, there's a difference of opinion. Some of the people said, no, we're going to do X, Y, Z. But that, I'm very clear on that, and that's my opinion. The second case, though, is what you're talking about, which is perpetual daylight. When it's perpetual daylight, then it doesn't matter. You just then work out the prayers in the day. And you can put the prayers anywhere. Okay? And there's a number of opinions. Some said you follow the Makkah times. Some said you follow the closest Muslim time, Muslim country. Some said you follow the closest place that has an actual night. Some said that you divide the prayers equally during the daytime. All of these are acceptable because it's an ishtihad matter. It's an ishtihad matter. Final thing I want to say. You know, if you were to argue like in here now, right now at this time, if we pray after 1 hour 20, 25 minutes, it's not clear outside that the isha has started. Is that a problem? Yeah, you say, you just taught us that the redness has to disappear, but the redness is clearly there. How can you pray Isha? We'll say, that's not a problem, because when push comes to shove, when a situation of darura comes, necessity comes, then we go into necessity mode. And during this kind of extreme situation, we're not even looking towards the light. The Prophet ﷺ, as I said last week, he said that the Dajjal will come at the end of time, and he will stay 40 days. And the 40 days that he will stay... The first day will be like a year, and the second day like one of your years, and the second day will be like one of your months, and the third day will be like one of your weeks, and the rest of the days will be like your normal days. And the companion said, how are we going to pray that day, which is like a year long? And the Prophet ﷺ said, make an estimate for it, which proves that on that day, time is going to break down. That means outside there's going to be no such thing as light or dark or this or that. And people are going to be praying in a very unnatural way. And it won't matter what the circumstances are outside. We have just calculated our prayer time. So for this summer period of May, June, July, and mid, until mid-August, it is acceptable for us to pass a fatwa like we have in this masjid and pray Isha at a time where still it is light outside because we are under the same situation as what we call Hadith of the Jal. Okay? Yeah. Anyone else have... Uh, yeah. Um, relating to the general of Maghrib and Isha, yes. someone comes into the masjid yes. pretending to pray Maghrib, yes. but not knowing the Jama'ah itself is doing the congregation of Isha. Yeah. And, and this was this was at Isha time, or this was a group of people who were doing Jama'ah? There was a, a group of people doing um, at Maghrib time, uh, but doing the Jama'ah of Maghrib and Isha. I now see. Praying, uh, now praying Isha. Yeah. But the person coming in yes. has not prayed Maghrib yet, yes. and joined, joined the Jama'ah of Isha at the second of and does he know or not know? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that it was a Jama'at Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that th- th- that that question is not for this session now because this comes in the combining of the prayers and it's a huge issue. Actually, it seems like a very simple question and there are so many different opinions on what should happen. And um, uh, when it comes, we will, we will talk about that. And not to just throw away the question, but it is completely off the topic. Even though I know we're talking about Maghrib Isha, but it is actually off the topic. Anything on this one? Yeah. Yeah. So someone's just asked, uh, where did you get the one hour twenty from? I think you've just explained that. Yeah. Uh, the, the one hour twenty, yeah, is not is not a cuckoo kind of just you know made up. Yeah. This is based upon observation. 
that you will generally see from our own observations that around that kind of time you will see that the redness will start to disappear now also in addition if that wasn't enough for the redness to disappear usually and it usually is then you will see in the muslim countries and equatorial countries an hour and a quarter an hour 20 hour 25 is done maghrib to isha gone yani put pitch dark so either way it's like a qiyas an analogy between muslim countries it's a bit of observation and it's a bit of feeling and it's a, it's a necessity situation as well. Question regarding Asaf Yeah. In terms of starting time, the shadows, what's the most correct opinion? We don't want to say what's the most correct opinion, but the class opinion is that it is one shadow, i.e. what they call the earlier time. And we're going to come to that in the class today. And in, in terms of, uh, you follow the opinion, the Hanafi opinion, where... We're going to cover that, inshallah. We're going to cover that, okay? Um, the next question. Um, you made it clear that prayer is forbidden at the time of Zawal, which we talked about, yes? Which is the highest point that the sun takes. But the local Jum'ah was arranged for working people in the area, and it has a fixed Jum'ah time of one o'clock throughout the year to make it easy for people to arrange time from work. This means that since a few weeks ago, the khutbah was starting just before the time for Dhuhr, during Zawal. So the khutbah is starting during Zawal time. This will be the case throughout the summer. My question, as long as the actual prayer does not start until after the actual time for Dhuhr, is this permissible? Um, this is a well-known issue in fiqh as well. There are a number of hadith on the matter. I will just basically say that the mass majority of scholars, so that's the Hanafi school, the Shafi'i school, the Maliki school, and it is my position and the position of the contemporary scholars and so on, that the Jum'ah prayer is like the Dhuhr prayer, it cannot be prayed until after Zawal. The position of the Hanbali school, Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, is that it can start before Zawal. And there are a number of hadith that suggest this as well, but none of them are very clear. They're authentic, but they're not very clear that they say absolutely 100% the prayer itself started before Zawal. I want to say that um, the khutbah starting before Zawal is slightly easier to deal with than the prayer. Conclusion is this, that we should try to make sure that the khutbah and the prayer starts after Zawal. That's our primary aim, regardless of whatever fiqh you follow or whatever school you follow. That's the first aim. The second aim is that if that's unable to happen, then if you are having a khutbah that starts before Zawal and the prayer after, then that's okay as well, insha'Allah. And final, final scenario. If there are a group of people who, because they have some big difficulty because of school or work, they are unable to do Jum'ah after Zawal, and they will do therefore the prayer and the khutbah and the prayer and complete it before Zawal, then insha'Allah the prayer will be accepted for the only reason that a mujtahid imam, like Imam Ahmed, he has given the fatwa to do so. And so therefore, using that as a concession, it will be acceptable. However, intentionally to do that, and to make that yani, the goal to start off with, that shouldn't be the case. It should be like I said, you should aim to do everything after Zawal, but if there's a, a, a reason for it, and sometimes we do have to give that uh, fatwa, I know a number of masajid that we had to do that, then it is acceptable, wallahu a'lam. Um, if all the masajids locally are, poor, are performing fajr too early in the summer months, like I mentioned, 
which is prior to any real twilight in the sky, then what is the recommended action? Should, would we, as we would want to retain the benefit of praying in the masjid, in congregation, but we do not want to pray earlier in the, in the designated time. So the answer to this is that you should advise the masjid and you should say to them nicely that you know you need to investigate this and look into it and ask your scholars that have they confirmed that, that Fajr actually started as opposed to going through some timetable. Can they actually see outside that you're praying? Can you even see the Fajr has started? And if they knock it back and they refuse, then you don't cause no trouble and you pray at home during the summer months. You pray at home during the summer months, the Fajr time, and, and that's just that's just you know that's just the sad news. And inshallah, as for the reward, then the reward is in, in, not in comparison. You praying properly is more rewardable than people who are praying in a masjid in a, in a jama'ah before the start time. Of course, there's no doubt about that. You will get more reward. So don't worry about that. So you will nicely ask the masjid if they do it, good. If they don't, then that's the way it goes. Okay? Questions then outstanding from the last few weeks? Anything else? All done? All done? You've answered also. Uh-huh. Just that one where someone, uh, well, that during Asad Jama'at, yeah. earlier time, for the person who's come in, they're, they're thinking I can still pray Dhuhr. What happens in that situation? And they haven't prayed their Dhuhr. Um, and they want to pray individually or they want to pray with the Jama'at? Well, they, they want to pray with the Jama'at, but they're praying Asad. There's a number of issues here. Okay, if a person hasn't prayed the whole time, follows the opinion that the asr starts later, comes into the masjid, a masjid which is praying asr at the early time because it follows that opinion, what does this person do? This person can keep following his own opinion and believe that asr doesn't start, and he can join the jama'ah with the intention of dhuhr, and he will get the dhuhr prayer himself. Number one. That's something which is acceptable for him if he wants to stick to his position and say that, you know, I'm staying to my position. Secondly, he can take the class position and the class position is is that the dhuhr ends at the time of the, of the asr when, when they are praying, if they're following the, 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 the early opinion. And then therefore, he should still make the intention there and pray the dhuhr and then immediately pray asr afterwards. Or he can just go to the back or out of the way somewhere if it's a masjid which has got rooms Pray his dhuhr and then join the people for asr as well. That's something which is possible. Okay? Any further questions? Nadif, no? No online or caught up? Zafar will caught up or not? Yeah? Okay, good. So today's text then, inshallah, um, what we're going to be covering today. Um, this is the English text, the Mu'allif alayhi rahmatullah. He says that the time for dhuhr is just after the sun passes its zenith until an object's shadow equals the object's height in addition to what its shadow was at the zenith. It is better to hasten the dhuhr prayer except uh, in two scenarios. A. During fierce heat, even if they pray alone. Or B. When it is overcast for those praying in congregation. I'll explain that. Following that is the time for Asr, which lasts until an object's shadow equals twice the object's height, in addition to what its shadow was at the zenith. The prayer's critical time extends until sunset. It is a sunnah, however, to hasten it. Following that is the time for Maghrib, which lasts until the redness disappears. It is a sunnah to hasten Maghrib, except for the pilgrim, who intends other than that 
on the night of Muzdalifah. Okay, so that's the text for today's lesson. Um, Sheikh Uthaymeen, alayhi rahmatullah, he starts off yani, this, uh, this point, and he says that to pray dhuhr should be done quick. Okay, we've done, we've done everything to do, we, we've covered the issue about the, the, the zenith and so on. So today's actual text starts, it is better to hasten the dhuhr prayer. Why is it better to pray the prayer quickly? This is very interesting. First of all, Allah, there's no doubt about this from a general principle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاسْتَبِقُ الْخَيْرَاتِ Compete with one, one, with one another to do good. Okay, in Surah Al-Baqarah, 148. So be quick and compete. So we have a general principle that when it comes to anything good, and then more, even more so, anything obligatory, remember that when we have good things, good actions of worship, the obligations are the best of them. Even though it might not be the longest, it might not be the hardest, it might not be the trickiest, but the obligatory acts of worship, whatever they are, they are always the greatest thing that you can ever do. This is actually a very important aqidah point. A lot of people get lost in this, yeah? So if you focus on doing the obligatory actions, you're always going to be yani, one up. Then Allah says, فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ yani, Compete with one another to do al-khair, to do the good. That means the obligations are going to have to be fought over, doing it as quick as possible. So there is this principle, this idea that you don't delay when it comes to doing anything of an obligatory nature. Secondly, the Prophet ﷺ, he said in the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud when he was asked, which of the actions are most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The Prophet ﷺ said, The prayer in its right time. Now this is a very interesting hadith. This hadith has been narrated maybe, I don't know how many times. It is motivated in terms of how many times the Prophet ﷺ has said this. And so on. The prayer is time. The prayer is time. There is one narration though, or there are a yeah, small number of narrations that make an addition to the hadith. And they say, The prayer in the beginning of its time. However, however, all of these hadith that's, that add this addition word, this awwal edition, they are all weak. Every hadith that mentions it are all weak. So we should only consider this wording, the prayer in its right time. You can imagine that there's two approaches to this. Some scholars are going to say, right, well that means that you must do it as quick as possible. Okay? Because that's what it means, that's what it says. Other scholars will say, it doesn't mention anything whatsoever about quickness. It just mentions that it should be done in its right time. That means that it should be done in its right time. Don't do it in its later time. Or don't do it in its wrong time. Yeah, in common sense. So to be honest, um, uh, uh, you know, it's not a very clear evidence. It's not the most strongest of evidences in order to establish praying it quickly. Yeah. Uh, there are some uh, obligation about that, but which has to be delayed like Isha Salah, for example. Uh-huh. So for you to do a Hissan Dua Zohar, you mentioned like not every act of Ibadah, that's in the beginning time. Or if you could use a better of the Asana Ibadah, which is also mentioned specifically to be delayed. You mean that this hadith, therefore, if we assumed it to be beginning, then it would cause a problem for the Isha meaning, you mean? Uh, the hadith under your condition in the beginning for the Hassan, Hassan, the Yeah. Um, that, that wouldn't be a problem. So, that, so, so uh, if you're saying that the fact that Isha being delayed, being a better action, contradicts this hadith meaning doing a first, I agree with you 100% there. If you were to say that it contradicts the ayah, I'd say no. 
because the ayah tells you to do good and therefore the prayer isha later is an exception. So the ayah is not relevant, that's what I'm saying. No, no, the ayah the is still relevant, but I'm saying that if we were to say that the general ruling of the ayah is every obligatory action you should do as soon as possible. Yes? You should try to do as quick as possible. And then as you said, we see the Prophet ﷺ delays the isha, then that clearly means that that is an exception to the general rule. As for the point that you're making, the other point, which is that the fact that the Prophet ﷺ delayed the isha would, would suggest that as-salatu ala waqtiha would mean the prayer in its right time, I agree with you 100%. And that's why I, I, I believe that that hadith does not give any evidence to show that it means that it's beginning time. And Sheikh Uthameen, to be honest, he also uh, kind of, he doesn't agree. He's not very happy himself about using this as, a, as an evidence to, um, uh, you know, to establish you should be prayed early. The third evidence that they used, they said that it is freeing the responsibility. Okay, what we can call ibra'u um, Ibra'u dhimma means the dhimma is the responsibility that we have upon our necks. It's an obligation. And as long as you have an obligation upon your neck, it needs to be paid off. Paid off. And the more you delay, the more you're risking something happening to you and then, you know, something, you know, then you're not getting the obligation off. Now, if you're busy doing certain things and so on and so forth, then it is... You can't be held accountable. But what if a person was just lying around, lounging about, nothing to do, and he should really pray Isha, he really should pray Isha, or whatever prayer it is, and then he's just, you know, hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, and then something happens to him, and then he can't pray. Then there's going to be a question mark, isn't it? Well, could, you, could you not have prayed earlier on? If someone was ill or sick, that's something else. But anyway, so these are general evidences. So this is a, pr- a principle which, inshallah, yani, stands... The Hanafi school, I have to say, does not accept this principle. And you cannot blame them. Alright? It's not it's 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 not it's not the strongest of 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 uh, uh, approaches to always insist on the earlier time. And it's no surprise that the Hanafi school they have the latest Fajr prayer, okay, and they have strong evidences for that. And I'm a big supporter of that opinion myself because they used to pray the Fajr when there was Tanweer in the sky, which there's a lot of light in the sky. They pray the Dhuhr generally later, generally, okay. Uh, they pray the Asr much later. Maghrib, of course, is on the same time. And Isha, you've already seen that they have two positions on the Isha, red twilight and white twilight. So, yani, the rest of the scholars, though, they generally appreciate the quickness. Yeah. Back the ayah, you mentioned Allah says, wait a little to do good. Yes. Where does that time component come into it's a case of don't waste any time. It's like uh, um, if it, it, the idea is if you're competing and racing, then how does racing and competing, how is that compatible with <coughs> I'll do it later? Or an attitude which says not now. That's the, that's the idea behind it. That's the idea behind it. Okay, what are the two exceptions? Well, according to the Hanbali school, the first except, exception is fi shiddati in very, very hot, fierce heat. Why is that? Because the Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا شِدَّ الْحَرْبِ فَأَبْرِدُ بِالصَّلَاةِ فَإِنَّ شِدَّةُ الْحَرْبِ مِنْ فَيْحِ جَحَنَّمِ That when the heat becomes very, very intense, then cool down the prayer. Abridu bis salah, cool down the prayer. Because indeed, 
the fierce heat is from the faith the it is from min faith jahannam no huh no it is from the um there's a perfect word for this um, I mean there are other there are other hadith which indicate to us that this is the fire which has in two breaths yani two to intake and outtakes but that's something different but you can say from the anger of jahannam for now okay and I will think about a better word I'll just look back at the uh, at the translations uh, for the for the notes for the note takers make sure that you consult me before you put the official translation in so uh, the Prophet has already said all the prayer. And we also covered the hadith last time, a couple of months ago. The Prophet was on a journey and the Mu'addin, he said, Shala, Bilal said, Shala, give the adhan. And the Prophet said, Abrit, Abrit. Yani, call it, let it call, let it call. And then he said, uh, then after a little while he came back and said, Now, Ya Rasulullah, he goes, Abrit. And then he, got, he wanted to come back again. He goes, Now, Ya Rasulullah, shall make the adhan? Abrit. Let it cool down, let it cool down. And then, in the narration, which is narrated by Bukhari, that the he then gave the adhan once the shadows on the hill, once the shadow on the hill was yani roughly equal to the height, roughly equal to the height. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what does that mean? Something very interesting. Here's what here's my take on this. I've always been a really I really get upset with this whole whole thing, this whole hadith, this whole concept, and whatever. Because the only nation in the world which is which is um, uh, humbly is the Saudis. Okay, they're like the proper official uh, humbly nation in the world. All right, and number one, number two, they're very proud of following the hadith and the fiqh and kada. Number two, number three, they have the hottest dhar on this planet. It is literally 50, 55 degrees on some days, days of the year. And then stick a whole load of, you know, marble and this and that all over the place. It's shining, it's boiling. You don't know what's happening, you're about to die. Okay? And so what, they, what did they do? They, they said, yeah, we will implement this hadith. And they made ibrad. And what did they do? Ibn ibrad is 25 minutes. So the normal salah is like 10, 15 minutes. Yes? Uh, huh? After the Adhan, after the Adhan, if Shazad was here, he would he'd confirm it. He's good in times like that. Me, I was just waiting for the Iqam before I go down for Salah. I need lazy pack. I am here. But he's one who works out all the times. I think that Asr is like 15 or 20 minutes, whatever. And Dhuhr is like 25, 30 minutes. Like we should say, thank you very much for the 10 minutes Ibrad you gave us. Yeah? And you go out, yes? You go out at that time, the one that they have set for the Iqamah, okay? And it's even hotter than what it was yani at Zawal time. Sheikh Uthaymeen here makes the point as well, and I'm very happy that he's made this point. He goes, well, we didn't understand these people. They made us go out for Dhuhr at a time where it's actually hotter than at Zawal time. They're killing us even more. And I 100% agree with that. Anyway, the point is this. The point is this. Is that the Sunnah of the Prophet and I'm absolutely clear on this, is that the Dhuhr time should be delayed every day by a couple of hours at least. At least. 
And Sheikh Uthameen gives his own example. So don't say that Abu Isa said this, okay? He said that if, for example, Asr time, he goes that if Dhuhr time starts at 12 o'clock-ish, and Asr starts at 4.30, then we should be praying Dhuhr at 4 o'clock. Are we talking about hot country? Hot country, don't blag it here. <laughs> My days, Gassam, you heard this one. Unbelievable, Allah, unbelievable. Yeah. So, so yani, we're talking four o'clock. SubhanAllah, if they did that, it'd be amazing. I wish the Haram would do that. It would be such a game changer. SubhanAllah, they'd follow the Sunnah. The prayer would be cool. We wouldn't die when we go out at one o'clock or half past twelve. And also, we're safe going out twice. That's the whole point of this yani, thing, all right? these concessions, is that you save the people going out, right? Now, nowadays, everyone who's staying in any of the big hotels, it's just a case of just going downstairs. But even going downstairs takes like 20 minutes, isn't it? It's a mission, all right? So the idea is, is that, and you know what these, at the moment, they're doing silly behavior. Yani, they close the dick. They close the doors to the masjid like an hour before the salah or half an hour before the salah. It's ridiculous. You can't get in. You know, because they're doing work here and they crowd control there and all kinds of nonsense. And so therefore, if you are that late, you're praying outside anyway. Right? And so when you go all this craziness and you're so stressed about people coming in and whatever, khalas, and you put the two prayers close together, it's hot and it deserves it anyway. And let the people pray at 3.30, 4 o'clock and then half an hour later start asal khalas. So anyway, that's my, my rant for the day. Um, so yeah, it needs to be close to Salatul Asr. It needs to be uh, uh, close to Salatul Asr. Exactly like I just mentioned to you. That's what Sheikh Uthameen mentioned. Here's an interesting thing. Yes? The Prophet Muhammad decided to leave the prayer to close to Asr. Was it his own decision that Allah commanded him? Uh, obviously, uh, the Prophet ﷺ is commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and inspired by him. Everything that the Prophet ﷺ said is illa wahyun yuha. It is all inspired from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But yeah, it, was, it is a hadith. It's not a Quran. It's not an ayah. It is hadith. Okay? Um, now, here's the interesting thing. In the Hanbali school, right, they also add another interesting point. But as we said before, when, the, when a text says walaw, Walau, meaning even, then that means that even within the school itself and the scholars, there's a difference of opinion. So now what we're going to talk about, there's a difference of opinion. What do you think about someone who's at home, man or woman, at home? When should they pray the prayer? On a 50 degree day? <laughs> yeah, Zohar prayer. They should pray as early as possible. As early as possible, because that's when Zohar comes in and praying Zohar early is the Sunnah like every other prayer. In his earliest time. Would you agree with that? Who would disagree? Okay? Well, because it's really hot, the house will be hot as well. So, so here's the point. <laughs> Why is everyone laughing? They were laughing, man. Yeah, but there's no fun in the house. You see, there's no fans in the house. <laughs> what did you think she said? <laughs> My girl's hungry, man. She thought she said there's no fanta in the house. <laughs> Someone give her a drink. There's no fan in the house. It's hot, isn't it? That's the point, yeah? It's an interesting one. There are some scholars that said absolutely the illa is to do with outside. It doesn't matter. It's hot all day inside the house. What, what, what difference is it going to make? 
it's uh, about people getting burned outside. Yes? So anyone who goes outside, man or woman, they take advantage of this concession. They don't need to go out. And the prayer and the sun will come further down. And you know, as I said to you before, when the sun is very high and very white, it's very hot. And then when the sun starts to come down and it starts to become yellow, then the temperature naturally reduces and we get all nice colors and so on and so forth. But they said that it can't apply to the inside. However, the Hanbalis, they said, it applies to people at home as well. And so therefore, they said that the Sunnah is for men and for women at home to also pray uh, later due to the, 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 the heat that is there. I think that's fair enough. Why not? Yeah, no, no. Uh, no, 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 the Hanbalis themselves, let's just make it clear. I think that the Hanbalis themselves are very positive about delaying it. I think it's the Saudi system which is not applying the Hanbali fiqh. I don't think, I'm not saying that the Saudis only give, I'm not saying the Hanbalis only do 10 minutes. Uh, I'm saying the Saudis, they do 10 minutes. I think the Hanbalis, they want, the Hanbalis said they want it cooler. And how is it cooler when it's yani, boiling outside and it's even more hotter? That always irritated me, man. Every time I went to Dhuhr, I was dying. Too much for Allah, honestly. All right, okay. Um, yeah. And so Sheikh, Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes, why is people going to be uh, 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 exempt from this? Everyone should be included in it. And fair enough, fair enough. Then the second exception is an interesting one. What's the second exception? What's it say? When it is overcast for those praying in When it is overcast... For those praying in congregation, there's two key points in that sentence. What are the two key points? Overcast. Overcast. Which means what? What's that second point mean? So it's now not now applicable for the house like in the previous, like this point. Does that make sense? Yeah? So they are now not saying it's applicable to the man or woman who stay at home. Does that make sense? Which I now put to you, what is that suggesting then for the meaning of the first point? Huh? No, 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 as in, as in rain. Let me explain. This point says that in the rain, So they're saying that a person should delay the prayer. Check this out, listen carefully. This is going to be the key point now. What time is that? Man? I can't even see. Okay. Um, this is a key point. The Hanbali school. It is saying, that if it is overcast, cloudy, that's what it means. Rain means cloudy, foggy, misty, okay? Outside, then they are also allowed to delay the prayer, but it has to be in jama'ah. It has to be for the jama'ah, meaning not the people at home. Therefore, it is clear to see that the Hanbalis are expecting or assuming that overcast conditions is meaning lots of rain. And that those people who are at home, they don't need to worry about the rain. Because they're at home. Sheikh Uthameen rejects this, this second exception, and there's the class position as well. Yani, what has overclass, overcloudy, uh, cloudiness got to do with anything? Being cloudy is lovely, man. That's every single day for us here every day. And there's no problem. If they had said something like, and if there is torrential rain, Okay, that would have been clearer and more accurate and it makes sense. By the way, let me ask you a question. Why do you think that they want the dhuhr prayer delayed if it's cloudy? What's the thinking behind it? 
So why? What was what's the thinking behind it? How? How is it going to be easier? Correct. It's to prevent them coming out twice. So the idea is, is that it'd be really close to Asr, again, using that example of half past four Asr start time, let's make Dhuhr now four o'clock, because it's raining, because it's bad weather, so let's now them go out, and then they go into the masjid for Dhuhr, and then it's not a problem staying there, because it's only 20 minutes then before Asr, and then you stay there, you pray Asr, then you come back out. The idea is, so they don't have to come back and forth to the masjid in dangerous conditions. Remember, no roads, no paved services, huge yani puddles, dangerous conditions, no lights, no street lights, no nothing, okay? So when it rains heavily, or when it's very cloudy, it is genuinely dangerous, or difficult anyway. I should say, not dangerous, genuinely difficult. And that's the thinking behind the, behind the humblings. They're saying, if we can keep them, uh, if we can uh, delay it so much so that they come out in one go, and then pray dhuhr and asr in one visit to the masjid, that's going to be better. So Sheikh Uthameen, he says, listen, I appreciate the sentiment, but, you know, there's two problems. Number one, this goes against the principle for praying in the beginning time. And number two, it is, um, it is very possible for there to be very, very cloudy conditions, conditions, but absolutely no rain. So what would happen? Are they saying that if it was very cloudy outside, very dark, they would just apply this ruling and it doesn't rain and then it's valid? And that's, that's a, a habit should be made out of that. He goes, that's not right. He goes that therefore, the, the correct position is that we should not make this exception. And that a person should pray Salat al-Dhuhr in his earlier times. Except for intense heat. Because there's a nas, a divine, clear, authentic text that the Prophet ﷺ, he said to delay it. Otherwise, it should be prayed in the earliest time. Is that clear everybody? Yep. Okay. Yes. They will combine the Dhuhr and Asr. Is it because of this? No. No, not because of this. Bismillah. Okay. Everyone, we spent yani, half the year talking about Adhan and Dua. I hope everyone actually remembers to do it again yani, when they hear the Adhan. That would be a disaster, isn't it? Studying it so much yani, that we killed it. We, we, we killed it, yani, so that it doesn't survive anymore. <laughs> Important, yani, remember, huh? we repeat after the Mu'adhan everything. After he says, again and Shadana Muhammad Rasulullah repeats again. When he finishes Ashadana Muhammad Rasulullah, Shadana Muhammad Rasulullah, we say Radish Billah Rabba wa Muhammad Rasulullah Islamidina. And then we say La Hawla wa Qutila Billah every time he says Hayya 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 Hayya. And then we repeat Allah Allah Allah. Then we say Allah Musallah Muhammad. Wala ala Muhammad Ru Shrifful. Then we say Allah Rabbahad Hinda wa Tama and make that dua. Then anything after is a dua for yourself. Make sure that we never forget that. And as for the iqamah, then it's also good to repeat after the iqamah. Although if one doesn't, then that's a matter of difference of opinion. There's no problem with that. Okay, so to finish off then, inshallah, um, just uh, uh, Jeeva was saying that there are some people that combine dhuhr and asr in some masajid. Is that based upon this principle? And the answer is no. That is based upon a separate hadith, which is the Prophet ﷺ combined due to rain. And that's actually rain that has been mentioned, uh, yani clearly and specified. And that is also indicated in the famous hadith of Ibn Abbas. Uh, because, uh, so we are not only do we have hadith where we know the Prophet ﷺ combined due to the rain, but we also have hadith where the Prophet ﷺ combined and Ibn Abbas was asked, was it because of rain or because of fear? Meaning that they understood that, rain, that the prayer is combined due to rain or fear. 
And he said, no, it wasn't because of that. He just did it to make it easy for his ummah. So we know clearly that the Prophet ﷺ does combine the prayer in rain. But what I mean by that is rain which is very, very, very intense, which causes a problem for the people to come out. Now there's a mistake, by the way, there's a mistake that people think that it doesn't happen in the West. That's nonsense. It's not about dying. You know, people think that it has to rain, that I have to die. And I'm not going to die because I have a car and I have windscreen wipers and I have a fixed road. It's not, not about that at all. It's about difficulty. No one likes to drive in the rain. No one. And sometimes it can rain really hard and it really is, yani, you know, a mission. So in this country, it's a sunnah that we don't do enough. May Allah give Shaykh Abdul Ghaffar the courage to do it one day. Allah, man. <laughs> He's petrified, yani. He's, he would he'd think it would be finished if he does it. I'd be a supporter, man, don't worry. Sheikh Abdul Fahd says, he goes, you're the worst supporter. He goes, you're here one day, then gone for three weeks. Leave me, leave, leave me by myself. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, a, like I said, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the combining of the prayer during to the, due to the rain. And people genuinely have seen that in this country, that if they see some heavy rain, they say, right, there we go, this opportunity to combine. And it's just, it's just, it's just weak, weakness across uh, the, the, the board. The idea behind the combining is if a person is normally, it has to be his normative habit that he comes out for dhuhr and he comes out again for asr, and each time that he comes out, it's going to cause some kind of significant hardship or problem or pain or soak him. And the Sharia doesn't want you to be soaked each time. Yeah, so there's a concession there. Okay, so it needs to be measured on a case by case basis. Okay, uh, yes. We can, the question is, is that the hadith that you just mentioned about Ibn Abbas and Sahih Muslim, about the Prophet ﷺ combining and there was no khawf wala matar, no fear, no rain, uh, and he did it only to lift the hardship of the ummah, surely that means that we can combine even for this, even for this reason. Uh, absolutely, I, uh, I, I, I think that it is permissible for a Muslim to combine in a number of scenarios that uh, don't even have to be linked to the weather at all. The, the, the idea is, is that it's an emergency situation. That's meant to be used very, very rarely, maybe once every couple of years or something like that. It's not a habit. It's just something which is there when a person's in a really difficult situation or their job is a very difficult situation or something like that. It's there to allow ease. It's not meant to become a habit. Okay? Are there any questions, uh, boys? Or because the next point. Any questions? Any remaining points? So then, it, it just then I would just say then that the next sentence is, and then what follows it is Salatul Asr. That's very important the way he says that, because that's indicating that there is no gap. It immediately then comes in, okay? However, what's interesting for me is this, okay? That even though there's no gap between Dhuhr and Asr, there were some scholars that said that there is a tiny gap between Dhuhr and Asr, yet they had no evidence to suggest that. And there, وَقَالَ الْأَخَرُونَ هُنَاكَ وَقْتْ مُشْتَرَكْ بِقَدْرِ أَرْبَعَ رَكَعَاتِ بَيْنَ الظُّهْرِ وَالْعَصَر
because some other scholars they said something interesting. They said that there is a small time period which is shared between Dhuhr and Asr for the length of four rak'at, for four units. Um, this is all to be found in Al Mughni, different statements of different scholars. Sheikh Bithameen says that uh, he goes, there's no doubt about it that there is no shared period and there is no uh, gap. And there's no shared period, there's no gap. Dhuhr ends, uh, Asr starts, and that's it. Okay? Because there's no other evidence to suggest that. Now, I want to just say something. I want to finish on this point. He's right. Okay? There is no evidence. However, if you look at this second position, okay, where some people said that there are four units which are shared, I think that's a semantic statement. Because, as we're going to come to later, when we study what, how much of the prayer do you catch when you uh, enter into, you know, before the time expires, okay, it is quite possible, if you follow the opinion, that as long as you say Allahu Akbar within the prayer time, that there would actually then be four units that you would pray, and they would actually end up in Asr time, yes? Because you just caught the takbir in the final second of Dhuhr time. Then Asr starts. Is this a shared time? No. Did you pray Dhuhr though? Yes. I want to say this. I want to say that between Dhuhr and Asr, there's a level of flexibility. I want to say that when it comes to a prayer time which is based upon shadows, the shadow movement and length is a lot more difficult to determine than the absence of color. Does that make sense? The absence of color in the sky is very easy to see. But when it comes to an actual prayer time based upon a shadow length, I think that's very difficult. And so I want to say that there is some sense of flexibility for a person who is running very late for them on their dhuhr prayer. They shouldn't say, I'm not going to pray, my time has run out. They should pray their dhuhr and let it continue without any fear. Okay? I know that's a sensitive point, but that's one something I want to say. Okay, everybody? Just one question. Yeah. If the dhuhr salah is delayed due to intensity, would the adhan also be delayed? If the dhuhr time has been a delay due to intense heat, would the adhan also be delayed? And the answer is no, not necessarily, unless the people understood that if I give the adhan, then the people will come to the masjid. So there should be an announcement on the speakers that we're going to delay the prayer when you hear the adhan come. Or it should be, I make the adhan, and then I say after the adhan, we've made the adhan for the entering of the time, but we're going to pray at this time. Both ways are flexible, inshallah. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah, that's why we'll speak to these folks here. Okay, jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdika shadu wa la ilayna antu wa staghfirullah wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.